I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Staples show. It is almost a new year. We're almost through with 2020, but a little bit of football left to go. The Power Five joined the fray in bowl season on Tuesday. We've got two more games on Wednesday. The Mayo Bowl, Wake Forest versus Wisconsin. We do love the folks at Duke's Mayo. It's not their fault that mayonnaise makes me gag. It just happened to be a giant spoonful of Duke's Mayo that made me gag on that episode after I lost that bet. Thanks again, Pitt. Yeah. No, no more mayo for me. But you are more than welcome to watch the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I will be watching the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I just will not be thinking about mayonnaise. I'll be thinking about Wake Forest in Wisconsin. And then, of course, the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday night. Oklahoma against Florida. Well, sort of. Not all the best players from, from either team suiting up uh, Oklahoma, Trey Brown, the corner, he's opted out. Florida, a much longer opt-out list. We already knew that, that Kyle Pitts was opting out. He would have been the best player on the field for either team. But also opting out Kadarius Toney, Trevon Grimes, Marco Wilson. So Tony and Grimes out, that limits you know who Kyle Trask can throw to. Uh, they're going to have to go with younger guys. They will not have the, the dynamic receiving core that they had as recently as the SEC championship game, Marco Wilson uh, played corner, played well for a long time, also threw a shoe. That that may be what he gets remembered for the most during his Florida career, fairly or unfairly, but he has opted out as well. And so I don't know exactly what that game's going to be. I'm still excited to see it because I like the idea of Spencer Rattler versus Kyle Trask and not sure either of these defenses is quite ready for for what they're going to see from these quarterbacks because when they've played good quarterbacks, they haven't been exceptionally stout. So that's it's going to be interesting. In Oklahoma, much improved defense this year. Alex Grinch has done a good job there. Uh, When he took over, he took over defense that had finished in the 100s in yards per play allowed. They're in the 20s in yards per play allowed now. And so even though this isn't the full-strength Florida offense, he's still got to face Kyle Trask. They've still got good athletes. I mean, for example, when Pitts was out, uh, Kamor Gamble and, and Keon Zipper were both really good. So, I mean, Florida's got guys that Trask can throw to. So this is still going to be a pretty fun game. Uh, as far as the opt-outs, I know everybody says, well, this is, this is a trend. Is this, is this going to keep happening? And I think Dan Mullen put it pretty well. This is their third consecutive New Year's Six Bowl. They'd had a grand total of one opt-out before. This may just be a 2020 thing, you know, and, and there are going to be some opt-outs in the future, just like there have been in the past few years. But again, if we get to a non-pandemic year 
and the number of players opting out outnumbers the number of coaches who leave their teams before the bowl games because they've taken new jobs, then I will worry about whether it's a trend or not. I'm not that worried. We've also got the college football playoff later this week, and we have a really fun interview for you today. The Sugar Bowl is Ohio State against Clemson, a rematch of last year's Fiesta Bowl. Justin Fields, quarterback for Ohio State, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for Clemson. They grew up basically within an hour of each other in the Atlanta area. Same year, they are probably going to be number one and number two in the draft. They played a classic last year. They both played a huge role in football being played at all this year. Uh, In terms of giving the players a voice, it was really when these two spoke up that everybody else kind of found their voice. So this is a really interesting matchup on the field, off the field, you name it. But we're talking to a guy who has probably the best perspective on all of it. His name is Ron Veal, and he's a quarterback coach in the Atlanta area. And he began working with both those players when they were in middle school. He started working with Justin Fields in sixth grade, started working with Trevor Lawrence when he was in seventh grade. And so Ron has seen the evolution of these two guys from middle schoolers to the two guys who are going to be at the top of the 2021 draft. And it's really fun just talking to him about what he saw when he met them and then what they grew into. So let's talk to Ron Veal and get excited for one of the great quarterback matchups that we're going to see. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ron Veal, he is a quarterback coach in the Atlanta area. Two very famous people. He's got some other famous people as well, but two very famous ones who happen to be playing one another on Friday in the Sugar Bowl, he started working with Justin Fields in sixth grade. He started working with Trevor Lawrence in seventh grade. And now, unlike a lot of the, the QB gurus that, that we talk to, Ron has a, a, another job. And you may hear some background noise from his other job because, Ron, this is the first time I've ever done an interview where the person I was talking to was at the firehouse. You, you are a firefighter, and, and you're at the firehouse right now as we speak. Absolutely. so you got into you played quarterback at arizona you grew up in uh, fernandina beach florida right right and so you go to you go to arizona you play in the cfl for a little while and then uh move move into the real world how how did you get started with the the qb coaching i got started in 2003 one day i was coming home from work teaching school and i saw a kid in the 
at the park throwing at South Cobb High School, and I stopped and told him I can help his son be a better quarterback, and that's that's where it started from. And Dad said, sure, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> and after, you know, after some conversation, he, he took he, – he accepted it and we negotiated a price, and we went – you know, we started from there. <laughs> And and then you started training kids around the Atlanta area, which at the, at the time was not really known for producing a ton of quarterbacks. And then uh, Cam Newton came along, and and some other really good quarterbacks came out of that area. But but sort of the the big group came with with Justin and Trevor. Now you started with Justin in, in when he was in sixth grade. So what yeah. was a sixth grade Justin Fields? What did he look like? How did he how did he move? How did he throw? Well, he was um, a sixth-grade kid, six-year-old in the sixth grade. But he played baseball, so he, he had coordination, and he was able to throw and move because of the baseball background. So we just worked off that platform. He was athletic. He could move. He could throw decent for a kid that's in the sixth grade, and, and he moved well. He was just a natural athlete. Awkward, so but with, natural. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, is every kid awkward at that stage? Is, I would imagine it's pretty hard to find the middle school kid who's, who's fluid. Well, they, they are awkward going through their growth spurts. You know, they, sometimes they level mm-hmm. out. The, I've, I've been studying it for like the last 10 years on the phases of how they go through changes from year to year to year. And from what I'm finding out, they have an own year, which means they coordinate it, move well, grow, become awkward, uncoordinated. Then you have to fix them, straighten them out, and they start it all over again. <laughs> well, that, that makes perfect sense. So with Justin, was it, trying to, was it a case of you were trying to build good throwing mechanics into the, the natural athleticism? Yeah, but like I said, he, he threw the ball well for a kid that okay. age. Because of the baseball and the over-shoulder movements, mm-hmm. he was already doing that stuff. So we just add football into it. And, yeah, it became what it is now. He could always throw the ball. His accuracy mm-hmm. was good at that age. <laughs> and, and so I, I remember hearing an interview with – with you when Justin was still in high school and you were talking about how during his high school career, uh, you really worked on, on getting his, his base wider and, and getting him to, to stay in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield. When did he start blossoming into, into a real complete quarterback? Well, it took some time because he's so gifted with his movements and getting out of the pocket. So it's kind of hard to put a limitation on that. But, like you said, he did work on it and work on it. I think around his end of his 11th grade year, going into his senior year, that's when he started getting better with it. Then when he went to UGA, he got a little bit better with it. And then at Ohio State, he got even better with it. Now, you'll see him take some sacks sometime because he's still going through his progressions. And that's what he's been working on for the last four or five years, just not becoming a runner first, but passer first, run second when he has to, or move when he has to. Is that the hardest thing with those guys who are the best athlete on the field to, to 
convince them to to be that thrower first? Because I would imagine as you get higher up in football, I mean, when you get to the NFL, you're no probably no longer the best athlete on the field. So you need to be a thrower first anyway. But how hard is it to to make those guys kind of push against their natural instincts? Extremely hard. Just you figure that if you're just a natural athlete and your movements are free and easy, I don't want to say it don't take any effort, but it looks like he doesn't exude a lot of effort into it. Right. So you try to put a, a harness on something that's that smooth. That's kind of kind of hard to do. What? Yeah. It's like put, putting the governor on the Ferrari. Correct. <laughs> so you put him in a situation where he has talented people around him, like in Ohio State. He can get the ball out. He can go through their concepts and be on time with the ball. That's where his game took off. So he's understanding that part the more and more he does it. Isn't, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's where he thinks he should be because he keeps working on it, but he's getting there. So let, let's talk about Trevor a little bit. You, you met Trevor when he was in seventh grade. I, I think the first question everybody probably asks you is, was his hair that long in seventh grade? No, he had a buzz cut. <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine. I, I looked at a video yesterday of him in eighth grade and saw the buzz cut, and I still can't. Like it doesn't. It doesn't fit right in my mind. Hey, that's what he wore. Then, <laughs> as he grew and and grew, his hair grew with him, and he just didn't cut it. <laughs> so he kept it nice and trim, which is the way he keeps it now. That eighth grade video I saw, the, the one thing that I thought was interesting, and I, I, now you, I'm sure, can tell me the finer points of this, but it doesn't look that different when you watch him throw back then versus watching him throw now. You're wow. a much more trained eye. Do you, do you see the differences? There are some physical differences, but his delivery was, was very natural. You know, it's nothing I, I can't take credit for or, I ain't going to say nobody else might not, but it's nothing I did. That's just natural ability. Now, what you do with that, you just refine it and tweak it here and there and just try to keep him as sharp as he possibly can. But you don't want to overcoach his delivery. So what's, a, what do you, what's going through your mind when you see him throw for the first time? Because he's seventh grade. I know in eighth grade he was, he was like 6'3", 170. What, what size is he when you, when you meet him? About the same right there. He was, I don't think he was 6'3". He's probably about like 6'1", six, 6'1 one, six, six, one and a half maybe. But he was long and lanky. And um, same thing, he was awkward with his movements. But you could see the athleticism. You could see the physical traits that he had. They were there. <laughs> what, what's it like as a QB coach when, when you see a guy throw and the ball just comes out the way it does from his hand? Well, it's, it's encouraging because I think the hardest thing to teach is teaching somebody how to throw a football or getting them on the same page as your, as your um, philosophies, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I always said that was the flip part. The footwork to him was easier for me to teach him that than versus messing with his delivery. So that's where the focus was on his footwork his drop sets and movements because he can throw the ball with, you know, great accuracy, 
and really, really good technique. Now, as we got on and on, we, we tweaked a little things here and there with his face, making him use his legs, well, helping him to use his legs more with his throws. And, you know, sometimes he gets narrow with his base. So we try to work on that in the off-season where he can have a little bit shoulder width base where he can create more energy and drive on the ball. So when he's younger, I know you said when he was in high school that, that he was changing protections. and the, the fact that he could throw so well, did that help him kind of get advanced compared to his peers? Because you didn't, people didn't, just didn't have to work with him on that as much? Well, I think, I think all of it came as, you know, as a combination. It's like he threw it really well, he moved well, he didn't understand coverages and protection. So now you incorporate the athletes he had at Cartersville in the offense that he ran, everything suited to his abilities, right? Mm-hmm. So he was able to master that offense from the ninth grade to the 12th grade. He took almost every snap. I say meaningful snap. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of football. Yeah. That's true because some guys don't start until their junior year or their senior year in high school. That's correct. And every year he played, they went beyond the playoffs. His ninth grade year, he got knocked out like third, I think the semi- semifinals. 10-11, mm-hmm. they won it. 12, he goes to the semifinals again. The semifinals. So that's a gang of snaps that an ordinary kid or even a regular high school kid might not get versus what he got. And, and at a high level, too. You know, Correct. playing in a high level in Georgia, not the same as playing in, you know, in Wyoming. So he's playing against D1 guys pretty much every week. Yeah. So what's his evolution been like to you in college? Cause you, 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 you know, you talked about how Justin, you could kind of see the steps of it, but Trevor was a little bit different case where he sort of got thrown in his freshman year and had to start and leads them to a national championship right away. What have you noticed as the years have gone on that he's gotten better at since he's been in college? I think in my opinion is his overall leadership and his ability to lead men. And know his freshman year, he was a little bit laid back, which he's a laid back person anyway. Right. Sophomore year, he became more and more vocal. And this year, you could see a difference in his. I I saw it in the Ohio State game where he he had a little bit more moxie, he had a little bit more energy and juice in him. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm here, y'all hit me hard, y'all put me on the ground, but I'm back. You know. Well, that's what that that's right because he got just destroyed on one play Mm -hmm. in the second quarter. And then he came back later in that quarter with that run that I I think that changed the game entirely that where where he basically outran Ohio state secondary. And it's interesting that you mentioned kind of the moxie because I remember rewatching that game the other day and I hadn't noticed when it happened that he gets into the end zone and he kind of goes up to the crowd and is like, yeah, give me more of that. Give me more, which I don't think I'd ever remembered seeing from Trevor before. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think you, you have to push him and push him hard with the buttons, like to irritate him. Then once that happens, I think his competitive nature kicks is already in, but it kicks in even more. 
mm-hmm. and he just goes, he just goes for it, you know. What What was it like watching those two guys play each other last year? Because that was a that was a great game. I always tell people it was like I'm not their father, but it was almost like a father with two kids playing each other. So who do you really root for, right? <laughs> Yeah, so, you, had, so you, had the, you had the Archie Manning deal like when Peyton and Eli had to play. Correct. So what you really do is you just sit back and say, I just hope these two young men play well. And they did. Yeah. And that, and that, was, my, um, that was my satisfied. That's what, what satisfied what was me. It, what was it like this summer watching those two? Because I, I, I think there's an argument to be made that if – Trevor doesn't do what he does, and Justin doesn't do what he does, that maybe there's not any college football this fall. I mean, Trevor really kind of gave voice to all the players, and Justin was sort of leading the charge among the players in the Big Ten to, to get them back on the field. I mean, that off-field part, you mentioned Trevor becoming a, a better leader of men. What was that like watching those guys? Because that's, I mean, these are, you met these guys as middle schoolers, and this is a very grown-up thing that they're doing. Yeah, I, I thought it was very impressive because I saw two people who really need each other for football in this year. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like they summons each other through whatever, right? One yeah. did it, the other one did it, then everybody started talking. This guy yep. started talking and- all the way up to the president, you know, of the United <laughs> States. It's Yeah, that's insane. Like. So, I can't even imagine the president of the United States worrying about what, what I'd have to say, but Trevor's in that spot and Justin's yeah, in that so spot. I just think that both of them did a, a wonderful job in, in fighting for something that they believe in and something that helps everybody else. And, that, and the thing that that shows me is that they, they're far from selfish. You know, yeah. it's just, I think it was a hell of a thing. In my opinion. Well, that, that's the thing that amazes me about those two guys because neither one of them had really anything to gain by playing the season. You know, if they, if they just sat out, Trevor go, probably goes number one and Justin probably goes number two in the draft next year. But they still fought. Yeah. I think when you put in that much work in the, in the offseason, you want to you you showcase that. So one thing COVID did for both of them and most college athletes, they extended the time to they, they can work out and get better. Right. I would have loved to see in a full season, but we got what we got, you know? <laughs> so we'll go from there. Can, when you think back to, to when you met these guys and, and you saw them throw for the first time, you saw them play for the first time, could you see – what what was coming? Could you see the the possibility of of them being at the top of the same NFL draft? Well, I can I can see that. I say this: I saw their talent, and I know they work ethic. So to sit here and say I knew they was going to do what they're doing now in college ball, I can't say that. But I knew that they would be really, really good. Yeah, at what they was doing because they work at it, and they, and that's their passion. So they work at it with 
endless, endless hours of time, you know. So you get one more chance to watch both of them play in college, and one of, one of them is going to knock the other one out. How, how are you going to be on Friday? Are you going to be pins and needles like, like last time? Proud dad? How does it work? Yeah, the, the flip side of that is I'm at the fire department that day, so. Oh, no. So it's almost added pressure. Do I, do I even get to see the game, or will we be out running calls? So Yeah. It, all right, let me, let me, I'm going to give you a public service announcement here. Everybody in this region of Atlanta, please, 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 please do not set any fires accidentally. Do not, if you're going to get sick, wait till after the game. You know, we, we need Ron at the firehouse to be able to watch this on TV here. Hey, man, I would, I would appreciate that. But um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But I think it's going to be bittersweet on both ends. You know, like you said, one of them. One of them is going to be the last college game, I would presume, and, mm-hmm. and you go from there. How much fun has it been watching these two guys grow up? See, I think a lot of people see them up a lofty place. I just see them as Justin and Trevor, Trevor and Justin. They're just two young cats that I start working with, and by the chance, they became very, very good at what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But – I know what the work they put in to be that. See, a lot of people wouldn't have never saw me and Justin out in front of them on Harrison football field at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's cold as I don't know what, but it's just me and him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the things we did. I uh, drive to Cartersville to go work Trevor out, which is like an hour from my house. But mm-hmm. we did. And those are things I see, and those are things that I cherish. You know, I just see them as Justin and Trevor, just two young, two young men following their dreams. And I was part of the well, puzzle. I, <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't know that people understand when you're talking about people who are this good at what they do, because you're exactly right. God-given talent is one thing, but you don't get to the point where you're going to be the top of the draft without putting in the work as well. There's lots of people with God-given talent, but... I would imagine when, when you're, you know, up in the freezing weather, or, you know, freezing cold going to work out, Justin, he's excited to be there because he wants to get better. Yeah. Yep. It's, At the time, you never know it because he didn't speak much, but he was there. He was there. <laughs> That's, they're both pretty laid back. Like, it's, it's, it's strange because they're, they're supremely competitive. Like, that comes off just watching them. But neither of them seems too too fired up about much. Nah, they just they got all the cool points. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you naturally get that being a quarterback, but man, that's they they got bonus ones. They got bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Ron, thank you so much, and uh, and good luck Friday. Hopefully, you get to watch this game, and and please stay safe if you're if you're out working. But thank you so much for your time. All right, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. That's Ron Veal, and he's absolutely right. Bonus cool points for Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, who really don't ever seem to be shaken up by anything. And uh, we will see who leads his team to a win in New Orleans. Trevor Lawrence has a, a one-game advantage. Can, can Justin Fields tie it up? 
or is Trevor Lawrence going to be 2-0 and in what I doubt will be the last head-to-head matchup between these two. I imagine there'll be quite a few more at the next level as well. But thank you to Ron Veal for joining us because that, that is some great perspective. And really hearing him talk about what kind of men they've become and what kind of leaders they've become is really cool. And it's been fun to watch. And I can't wait to see what these guys do next. And right now, they're going to go play against each other on Friday in a game that I think is probably has a chance to be the best game of the season. Hopefully, that will be the case. We will talk to you before that game, though. It'll be me and Ari Wasserman. We're recording live on Thursday. If you want to watch, you can go to the Andy Staples Show YouTube page, and you can subscribe to our channel, and you can watch live as we record. That'll be about 6 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, or just wait till it drops into your podcast feed on Friday. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you then.